I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football and down NFL football podcast and a video cast as well. You can hear the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And also you can see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way. You can see it right there at the bottom of your screen, KramerandBrill.com. Now, during the offseason, each week we're taking a look at each NFL team. This week we're going to explore the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, this week, our guest is Zach Wolchuk in Dallas, who covers the Cowboys as the host of the Nosebleed Seats on 105.3 FM, The Fan in Dallas from 7 to 11. Zach, welcome to Kramer and Brill. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, I love to have, you know, and uh, being a Steeler fan, I can't wear another team's <laughs> equipment or jersey. So in honor of the Cowboys, I did wear my Cowboys shirt. So. I noticed that. I appreciate <laughs> it. It looks good. I pulled this one out of the closet just for you. So, <laughs> so Zach, this is not your typical Cowboy season by any means. It was kind of a confusing year. Uh, before we get to this year's uh, team, we'll give us give us a brief recap of the season. Well, certainly, uh, I mean, everything kind of went downhill week five when Dak Prescott goes down against the Giants in what was uh, a bit of a gruesome scene there at AT&T Stadium with the dislocation and the broken ankle. And you know, the, the Cowboys' defense was historically bad. I mean, it was absolutely disgusting to watch them play football over 16 games last year. So, you know, even with Dak healthy, offensively, the Cowboys had to be near perfect if they wanted to come away with any kind of wins. I mean, week two, you know, you had the watermelon kick against the Falcons at home. You're able to find a way to, to get a win over Atlanta, and they squander another big lead when they have a 99% chance to win it. You know, to, to be a Falcon fan, my heart goes out to you right now. But the Cowboys last year was all about poor defense. Obviously, injuries galore with Dak Prescott going down. You didn't have Lyle Collins, your starting right tackle who I believe was the Cowboys' best offensive lineman the year before. High expectations for him coming into last year. He doesn't show up healthy. He's got to have the hip surgery. He doesn't play it down. Tyron Smith gets hurt. Zach Martin gets hurt. So just a lot of injuries derailed the Cowboys' season last year. And clearly, you know, Mike McCarthy, year one, dealing with the pandemic, things didn't quite work out, and they struggled to really – put in and install this new Mike Nolan defense that they wanted to utilize. And there was a lot of chatter inside that locker room that players weren't really understanding what the defensive coaching staff wanted them to do. There might've been a little bit of an issue with teaching. And I think that's a big reason why Mike Nolan's out and Dan Quinn's in because they have completely different approaches. Mike or Dan Quinn, very hands-on and that's something we've been able to see through OTAs I mean he's out there in the dirt with the defensive linemen as a former defensive line coach Dan Quinn has brought a lot of energy so far as a defensive coordinator so terrible defense injuries all over the offensive side of the football and that's a big reason you had a disappointing 2020 for the Cowboys hey Zach great breakdown there uh, by the way and I'm not going to apologize, though, for not having my Cowboys or anything close to a Cowboys shirt on. Wait, <laughs> thank you. There's alumni rule, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, hey, obviously last year was a, a disaster all the way around. And um, going into now, well, what's already happened is this draft, and then the Cowboys had 11 picks which is the most I've heard of. Maybe there's more, I don't know. But, uh, and I didn't, I haven't really heard of any of them other than Micah Parsons, who only began hearing about just before the draft and his athletic ability. And, and obviously he's an awesome player. 
Um, have you seen anything from him in these OTAs that has stood out to you in terms of uh, something that might separate him and, in fact, bring something the Cowboys haven't had in a while? So the Cowboys desperately need help when, in, when it comes to pass rush, right, opposite to Marcus Lawrence. And a lot of fans in Dallas are, are frustrated with Demarcus Lawrence after he got paid and got the big contract that his stat totals have really regressed. But the bottom line is Demarcus Lawrence is still one of the best edge defenders in all of football. He's, an, he's exceptional against the run, and he doesn't have anybody else to help him out to take away some double teams for him. And I think the one best attribute that Micah Parsons has coming out of Penn State, he's a naturally gifted blitzer and pass rusher. And that's something that early on in OTAs, the Cowboys have even utilized him off the edge in terms of rushing the passer. I didn't love the Micah Parsons pick, to be 100% honest with you guys. I think he's still very, very raw. It was not a great defensive draft, which hurt the Cowboys because clearly they wanted to go defense and they wanted to go corner in the first round. But then you got wiped out with J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan second going the two picks ahead of them. So they traded back. They go ahead and get Micah Parsons, who certainly is an athletic freak, but he's not a guy that has a ton of ability in terms of coverage yet. He's very raw. He needs to learn that. So I think what the Cowboys want to do is kind of put him in the best position to succeed. And you're going to see a lot of blitzing. You're going to see a lot of rushing off the edge from Micah Parsons early on. And that's something that does excite me because the Cowboys, I mean, outside of Randy Gregory, who has really been unavailable for the majority of his career, they don't have anybody that you're super confident about to get after the quarterback. So Micah Parsons is someone that defensively they're definitely looking at to help them in that area. You know, in watching the, the injury to Dak Prescott, it was like uh, stomach turning, you know, it was like almost like uh, the, the Lawrence Taylor hit, you know, and it was just awful. And I have to say my wife almost cried because Dak was on her fantasy team and it oh, kind of wiped no. her out for the year, you know, but uh, so he, he, first of all, is he totally healthy back? Is the apprehension gone? And second of all, he finally gets a contract he was holding out to get. So where do you see him in the, the hierarchy of the current NFL quarterbacks? I think Dak is to me, probably the sixth best quarterback in the league. I think he's in the conversation of borderline top five. I'm not going to put him ahead of some of the guys that have been there and done that, the Brady's, the Rogers, for example, the Russell Wilson's that, you know, have gone deep into the postseason or they're there basically every single year and have the Super Bowls. But Dak was playing the best football we'd seen him play before he went down. And I was nervous about how he'd look coming off of that injury, but he's looking really good. He made a throw rolling to his right on the run in OTAs last week to CeeDee Lamb that looked vintage Dak Prescott. Now, you're never really going to know until he's in a situation where he's got pressure in his face and he takes a hit, you know, how's he going to go ahead and, and, and bounce back from that? But the one thing about Dak is he's, he's incredibly mentally tough. Uh, we saw that his rookie year dealing with that whole dilemma about Tony Romo going down. And then, you know, do you stick with Dak or do you go back to Romo? Mentally, this kid's as tough as can be. And he's absolutely looking really, really good. I think better than I even anticipated bouncing back from that ankle injury. Yeah, I would say just throwing my two cents in too, I would put him in there up at the top. Um, but be, and I think because he, to me, has shown not only the athletic ability as a quarterback, as one of the elite athletes that play quarterback, but he's also, as you just mentioned, incredibly mentally tough. Um, 
you know, he's played far, he's far outplayed his draft position, kind of like Tom Brady did. Right. Nobody knew he, who he was coming out of the draft. And so I guess what I'm trying to say too is that um, I don't see Dak having had the team around him, certainly defensively. Um, but it seems like this year, offensively, they look ready and poised to get going. Um, I, and to go back to what you were saying before about how every, everything, the wheels absolutely fell off the train early. Well, then that's one other thing that Mike McCarthy had to get through um, after having been gone from the game right. for a year and then stepped into the pandemic situation and then stepped into the injury situation that didn't just start, but pretty much ended with Dak Prescott going down. So um, it makes sense to me that they didn't have a great year last year. That's why I see them as one of the dangerous teams this year because of what Dak Prescott brings that wasn't there the year before, but that was there every year prior to that. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think they're gonna, I think the Cowboys this year are poised for a great season, but we'll see. Cause I live in California here and they play the chargers. What the second game of the season. Right. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Cause I think that's another team that's up and coming. Um, no question. So uh, regarding, you know, the rest of the team and, and especially offensively, Zeke Elliott this year, uh, things I've heard is that he looks a little sl lighter, sleeker, maybe. Um, are those some of the things or what is what are some of the things that are coming out of camp so far? That's 100 percent accurate. So Zeke, uh, I think, was listening to our station at 105 through the fan, the home of the Cowboys. And we were riding Zeke all year long. A lot of the fans, you know, you don't pay running backs in, in today's league. I mean, that's kind of the perception, even though when you look across who are the best running backs? They've all found a way to get a second contract, whether it's Alvin Kamara or Derrick Henry or, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you name the back. They seem to be getting paid. But Zeke's a guy who last year probably had his worst year. A lot of it was due to the fumbles. You know, Zeke had a big fumbling problem the first few games with Dak Prescott. That was another reason this team was falling behind early was they were almost trying to give up the game. Let's go ahead and spot a team three touchdowns and let's now play comeback, right? So, you know, Zeke lost a little bit about that explosiveness and burst that we saw from him in his first few years. Certainly a hard-nosed back can run between the tackles. He's going to get you all the dirty yards, but we haven't seen those 40 to 60-yard chunks that made Zeke the best in the game in his first couple of years in the league. And I think he worked really, really hard this offseason to get his body back to trying to be that explosive playmaker. Because the Cowboys have a player in Tony Pollard who is the number two back to Zeke that is that guy. And we got to see it when he got to start in place of Zeke down the stretch of the season for a couple of games, specifically against San Francisco at home. He had a couple of really, really nice runs for a couple of touchdowns. So I think that's something where Zeke wants to try and get back to. And he does look like he's got some added juice that we haven't seen the last couple of OTAs and minicamps. So you're telling me that I should not trade him this year no. and uh, and just hang on to him. Go one more year, right? Because I gave one him more a year lot with Zeke, to get him. Especially with a healthy <laughs> offensive line. Ride him one more year, Bob. In case you haven't noticed, Zach, uh, Bob kind of sets people up kind of who to blame later in the season once this the fantasy season begins. So oh, yeah, I'll take all you might be target number one right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about the wide receivers. I mean, the CD lamb came like, I love that guy last year. Amari Cooper has had this rebirth 
in mm-hmm. Dallas. Uh, how do these two guys look this year? Amari Cooper, I think, might be the most underrated receiver in football. We were talking the other day, Pete Prisco of CBS Sports put out his top 100 players list. And uh, Pete Prisco is a good buddy of Brian Broaddus, who also works at our station. That is a former Super Bowl champion scout, worked with the Green Bay Packers, then worked with the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, we've had Pete on the show a couple of times. He didn't even have Amari Cooper listed in the top 100. And in fact, he had 18 wide receivers in the top 100, all ranked higher than Amari Cooper. And to me, that's absolutely ridiculous. Amari Cooper is borderline the best route runner period in the game of football. He does everything you want him to do. You can line him in inside in the slot. You can line him outside. He is just one of those guys, much kind of like a Larry Fitzgerald was, where he doesn't talk a lot. He's a quiet guy, keeps to himself, plays chess in his free time, right? And he's not that rah-rah, bona fide diva receiver, especially we've seen with the Cowboys, with the likes of Michael Irvin and Des Bryant and Terrell Owens and some of these guys you've seen play for the Cowboys over the years. So, you know, Amari doesn't fit that mold. And I think that might rub people the wrong way or people just overlook him and forget about him. But he's outstanding. And he's from the moment that trade was made with Oakland a few years ago, now, of course, Vegas, him and Dak Prescott seemed like they had an instant chemistry. That is something that I know Amari, even last year, having the best year of his career, not having Dak and playing with Andy Dalton and Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci for a game, right, still was able to produce. And quite quite frankly, he was the most consistent player on offense for the Cowboys last year. C.D. Lamb fits that same mold, right? C.D. Lamb is an absolute freak. He dazzles you. He wows you. Uh, He's one in practice where you're just – almost in awe of some of the things that C.D. Lamb can do. We're in a golden age of receiver right now, I believe, in the NFL, where you look around and there's just so many good ones. But C.D. can be special. And the one thing he needs to add this year that he did at Oklahoma that we didn't see his rookie season was the yak. You know, after the catch, being able to break tackles and be elusive in space in the open field, that's what set him apart of his draft class and made him wide receiver one for me. He struggled with that a little bit last year as a rookie. Let's see if he can do that in year two. And then you've got Michael Gallup, who's your true outside receiver, and he's the deep threat. And he's the guy that probably suffered the most without Dak Prescott. They're best friends on the team. Him and Dak have a really good connection, and his numbers really declined without Dak. But those three are maybe the best trio outside of the Bucks in the entire NFL. Uh, you know, Zach, earlier you were talking about how uh, well, obviously, it was a story where Dallas just was horrible defensively. Not being a big fan of Micah Parsons, at least for the draft. Um, are there switching back over to that side of the ball for a second? Right. Is there any young players? Doesn't have to be rookies, but maybe in the first year or two that stand out to you as people that might be getting looked over at this point. Maybe a guy or two that uh, people really aren't counting on that you see might be playing a bigger role than expected. I think Donovan Wilson, who's a third-year safety, was drafted in the sixth round of the Texas A&M a few years ago, that uh, has really been better than I even thought he would be when the Cowboys drafted him. He's probably going to start at strong safety opposite DeMonte Casey, who they signed in free agency from Atlanta, who's got you know familiarity with Dan Quinn coming over. Uh, Donovan Wilson's a guy who was able to just have a knack for being around the ball, forcing turnovers, whether it was fumbles, interceptions – He's a guy 
that I think is being a little bit overlooked for the Cowboys this year. The other one would be the Cowboys are expecting a big year out of Randy Gregory, who I mentioned earlier. This is the first offseason he's really been able to be around the team, be fully healthy, not be dealing with any suspensions. Randy Gregory is a player that at the end of the year, I would not be surprised if he's a double-digit sack guy and he leads the Cowboys in sacks, period. But the sneaky name that, that there's, there's three, really, from this Cowboys draft class. I think you're going to see a lot of Osa Digizua, who is their third-round pick. The Cowboys love him uh, being able to not only line up in that 3-4 where he can play the ends, but also in the 4-3, kicking inside and playing defensive tackle. Jabril Cox, who they took in the fourth round out of LSU, who was a transfer from North Dakota State last year. He's a true coverage linebacker in today's NFL. So his strengths are really what Micah Parsons' weaknesses are. And then how about Quinton Bohanna, all right? I love my fat guys. And the Cowboys have needed a big old boy, a trash can full of dirt, in the middle of that defense. And Quinton Bohanna, who was a sixth-round pick out of Kentucky, is going to get a lot of run this year. The Cowboys stunk against the run. They wanted to make sure they improved it. That, that is a dude who can really, really help them in the run defense, along with Brent Urban. Who they signed in free agency from the Bears. Six foot seven and play inside, can play outside. Two guys who should really help the Cowboys run defense this year. Yeah, Osa Odigazua, a broadcast play by play man's nightmare, right? Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> hey, you know, you can't talk Cowboys unless you talk Jerry Jones. And, oh, okay. you know, um, I've always liked Jerry Jones, been personally several times out here when they were uh, practicing, when they would do training camp out here. And always very pleasant and everything. Uh, but my question is, how long is the leash for Mike McCarthy? Cowboys don't make the playoffs this year. I, I don't believe Mike McCarthy should be back as the head coach in 2022, personally. I mean, Jerry is up against father time. That is the truth. And it sounds a bit morbid. And I always feel awkward when we say that on the show. But it is true. Jerry does not have a lot of years to kind of be messing around. And he wasted a decade with his quote-unquote family member in Jason Garrett. And he gave Jason Garrett year after year after year. And basically, you know, you had a couple of good seasons. But for the most part, Jason Garrett and the Cowboys were a 500 football team. So with Mike McCarthy, one, I thought it was pretty funny after uh, his introductory press conference where he says, yeah, I told Stephen and Jerry I watched every single snap of the Cowboys last year. That wasn't true. I wanted the job. And you have an awkward Stephen Jones, just like, ah, what are you doing? You just lied to our face. Uh, I don't think the leash is very long for Mike McCarthy personally. And quite frankly, it shouldn't be. You look at the success the Packers have had since they let him go with Matt LaFleur. It's a good football team. I, I have my questions about Mike McCarthy and his ability as a head coach right now. This is a big year for him. Interesting when you bring up Jerry Jones, because that's the one team that I can think of there might be more, but I can't think of one where the owner is actually the general manager. Yep. So I wonder what kind of heat, if any, he gets in uh, Dallas for his role as a general manager, not the owner, but the general manager, and maybe not supplying the Jason Garrett's of the world with maybe what they needed. The fan base would have loved the owner, Jerry, to fire GM Jerry, probably about 20 years ago. <laughs> Right. That's that's the ongoing battle with Cowboy fans is you love Jerry, the owner. He's going to spend his money. He wants to win. He's a great owner. 
The question is, does he really know how to put a football team together? And to be honest with you, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. This team hasn't gone back to a conference championship since the Jimmy Cowboys deteriorated. So, you know, Jerry has a lot to prove in that regard. And I, I don't think Jerry, the GM, it, any other organization, Jerry would have been fired as a GM by now. But that's the luxury when you own the team. You don't have to fire yourself. And Jerry never will. That is certain. <laughs> Jerry never will. Our guest this week has been Zach Wolchuk, the host of the Nosebleed Seats, a 105.3 FM, The Fan in Dallas from 7 to 11 each night. And there you have it. Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast, and now a video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libs, and Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcast. Now you can also see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way. Right there at the bottom of your screen, KramerandBrill.com. For our guest, Zach Wolchuk, my friend and colleague, Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill, and we'll see you next time.